This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Good afternoon. Bear down, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Hall. There has been a lot in what promises to be a busy offseason, whether it's speculation over the number one draft pick and Justin Fields being traded or the execution of the closing on the land in Arlington Heights. And Dan Weeder. The 2023 Bears are made for the offseason. They are a dream in terms of content, in terms of debates, in terms of talking points, in terms of developments. We're just getting started. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast. I'm David Hoff on the Mullen and Haas show from 670 to score. Dan Weeders from the Chicago Tribune. Been up at Hallis Hall this week with the OTAs and the return to the practice field. There's been a lot of ground that we need to cover since the last time we met. We've had a lot of conflicts with schedules, but things keep going on. And it is the offseason, Dan. But I think the number one topic around the Bears at Hallis Hall is what was identified as the number one priority for Kevin Warren. Where are the Bears headed in their stadium project? Because the latest is that Arlington Heights is no longer the singular purpose. They have met with officials and the mayor from Naperville. They have met via video conference with the mayor of Chicago, Brandon Johnson. So how would you describe what has happened and transpired over the past seven days? What led us to this point and where it's headed next? Well, David, what I try to condition people is to understand that this is going to be a roller coaster from now until that new stadium opens, wherever it may be. And so you better be able to put on your safety harness and you better be able to withstand some loop-de-loops and you better be able to you know, keep your bearings through some corkscrews. And you, and you better understand that there's going to be a lot of twists and turns to this thing that may dizzy you. But if you understand what's happening, you can navigate it a little bit more smoothly. This came up. Last week on Friday afternoon, after the Bears were given a assessment on that property that they bought for $197 plus million at Arlington Park, that was well above what they were anticipating it being. That was well above what Churchill Downs was playing, paying on the property with an operating racetrack. And so the Bears saw a situation where they were hoping to get in all of this and have been consistent for months and saying, we want tax certainty with whatever we're going to do in Arlington Heights. And when they got a little bit of uncertainty, they pivoted a little bit. Now it might be like a Jack Sickman pivot, one foot firmly planted on the ground and just looking over a shoulder and, and trying to see what's there. And, and hold on, and hold on. You know how to do the reserve reverse Sigma pivot, right? You, you played a little. We need to whiteboard Jack Sigma <laughs> for the younger people in the audience, the pride of the Seattle supersonics way back when Dan, the Jack Sigma pivot, you have to tell people exactly what era that comes from. I was never a post player. But when we would go to basketball camps in the in the 80s, we would be taught the Sigma pivot, which is the reverse post pivot coined by Jack Sigma. At that time, he was with the Milwaukee Bucks. Pretty blonde perm, I think he had at the time when he would go down on the block and, and make those moves down low. Uh, and so the, Bear, the Bears somehow found themselves in this conversation about Jack Sigma pivoting, trying to figure out okay. what, what they could do, David, to, to kind of, um, 
I guess, open up their options or at least give the impression of opening up their options in a way that that will will put some heat and some pressure and some some leverage plays on people that may need it. Um, I'll, I'll turn it over to you here. But as you know, it's just for them, it's all about trying to get the 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 right monetary tax values to things as they as they embark on this project and if they don't get them they're not obligated to do anything in Arlington Park but the other thing I'd say and that I've said consistently throughout the week is that if I were a uh, an odds maker at, at one of these big odds making houses nowadays and I had a place that uh, a team purchased for 197 million dollars and has had town hall meetings on and is um you know, put out artist renderings of what it could potentially look like up the road and then I had a ma- a meeting with the mayor of another town my favorite is still going to be the former more than it is going to be the latter. If you were going to place a bet at the new sports book, the Bears are going to build in Arlington <laughs> Heights. I think I would bet on Arlington Heights still. But let's carry this through because they want us to and because this is what they expected when they had the Friday news dump announcing that they had met with the mayor of Naperville. Now, what happened this week is that all kinds of other municipalities got interested and intrigued. And we have a state senator from Rockford who produced a headline in the Rockford Register Star said, hey, we want the Bears too. (laughs) There's been chatter in Northwest Indiana. There's all kinds of room and land along the corridor there in 8094. And there's been a casino in Northwest Indiana. Why not the Bears nearby? There's been talk in every municipality and suburb around Chicagoland. Could we fit the Bears here? And so along those lines, there's a new mayor in town, literally in Chicago. Brandon Johnson met with Kevin Warren. They, it was so important to them that they met via video conference. That's how much it meant. It wasn't in person. It wasn't a handshake. It was a virtual hug. And they released a statement. Let me know if you know what this means because it was intentionally vague. I'm going to read it verbatim. Please do. Today, today we met and discussed our shared values and commitment to the city of Chicago, the importance of deep roots and the need for equitable community investment throughout the city. We are both committed to the idea that the city and its major civic institutions must grow and evolve together to meet the needs of the future. We look forward to continuing the dialogue around these shared values. To me, it felt like the repairing of a relationship that may have been fractured by Brandon Johnson's predecessor, Lori Lightfoot. It felt like a president and CEO who has been on the job less than two months reaching out to the mayor of a city who just got elected and, and, and took over office after he did as president and CEO within the last two months. And it's it's a, a natural and necessary connection that needed to be made that said, hey, we're going to try to do everything we can to work together to have a productive relationship. Me, Kevin Warren, and the Chicago Bears, you, Brandon Johnson, and the city of Chicago. The word stadium were not in there. There was no talk of, oh, maybe we'll stay at Soldier Field. Maybe we'll pursue another project uh, in the city of Chicago. And so really it was just a acknowledgement of a meeting between two people that you would expect to meet pretty early on in their tenures together. And I don't make any more of it than that, other than those two guys are going to necessarily have to have a relationship as everything progresses forward. And it was an announcement of that. If you know Kevin Warren and you know the way he does things, transparency is critical to him. And so he is is very, very um, hell-bent and determined to to let the world know what he's doing so that there are no surprises in the outside world, so that there aren't things that, that pop up out of left field and people go, well, well, we didn't know about that. And so these two things, I think, with the, the meeting in, in, in Naperville and then uh, obviously the Zoom call or, or whatever video conferencing tool they used, uh, may have been StreamYard, uh, for Brandon Johnson. Uh, you know, it's just a, a way of saying this is some of the business we did this week and, and you all can interpret it how you see fit.
I agree with you about the transparency and how much he values that. But I think then in that light, transparently, what happened in, in Naperville was a leverage play. And it was, a, a, I think, sure, it was a transparent attempt to try to gain some leverage that sure. they may or may not need. And, and I think that you can evaluate and we can debate moving forward whether or not Arlington Heights is overplaying its hand and the Cook County Assessor is is doing something that is, you know, nothing more than a political ploy. But what the Bears are doing in response is certainly part of the process. It would have been naive, in my opinion, to expect this process to go off seamlessly and to, you know, to get the get the uh, the shovels out and break ground in August before they start next season. I think that there are a lot of bureaucratic uh, hurdles that still need to be cleared. This being the first one, not the last one either. So Naperville makes sense. The city of Chicago, for reasons you articulated well, makes sense. Brandon Johnson is still going to be, during his first term, the Bears will play at Soldier Field. So it helps to have a good relationship with your landlord when you are the tenant. That's a that's a professional relationship that needs to be nurtured and frankly repaired you're exactly right so that's no question i think that is well and 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 look again we are inside the theme park and we are on the roller coaster you know this isn't the train that goes around the perimeter of the park and you just ride carefully until you get to the end and you get off and there's nothing this is the roller coaster and there's a dance that has to be done in these negotiations and in these leverage plays as you mentioned there's a lot of of back and forth that is necessary and that will continue to go on it is our job here obviously to chronicle it and then to try to interpret it so that the masses in our audience can kind of interpret it um, in, in, a, in a more clear light. And hopefully we'll be able to get our arms around that. I also will tell you this, that I had a, a conversations with uh, someone very well connected to this process who is very uh, emphatic that the Bears want to make sure that when the first shovel goes into the ground, wherever they're building their stadium, that they don't have the second guessing of, is this really where we should be putting this? It has to be a question that's not only answered with a period, it's answered with seven or eight exclamation points. And that when you do break ground and make that commitment and make that investment and start to plan for a stadium and entertainment district that will change the future and history of the Chicago Bears, that you do so with conviction and certitude about what it is you're doing. It was a different situation, but somewhat similar 10 years ago when the Cubs were renovated in Wrigley Field. And there was a lot of conjecture and then certainly was a lot of attention paid what that would mean to the city of Chicago and what they needed in terms of help and cooperation with the mayor at the time, Rahm Emanuel, and the owner, relatively new owner, Tom Ricketts. And there was a there was an impasse. And I think that there were a lot of people that projected before that whole process started that there would be threats and attempts to gain leverage and things that go on in the course of negotiations when you're talking about municipal building projects. Sure enough, Tom Ricketts, and I remember getting the column out earlier this week to kind of look at it for reference, was basically met with the mayor of Rosemont and they had a conversation and he was issuing threats that were somewhat uh, empty, perhaps. Nobody thought that they were going to become the Rosemont Cubs, but they were going to lay out the red carpet and were as excited about the conversation in Rosemont as they surely were last weekend in Naperville and maybe even moving forward. So these are the kinds of things that happen. And shortly after that threat, they found a middle ground and they compromised. And I think this is all part of the art of negotiating and they will eventually come to a compromise. And I'm with you. I'd be shocked if it doesn't end up being the George S. Hallis dome, whatever stadium, uh, 
the football structure next to a casino, whatever it is, it's going to be at the old grounds of Arlington Park. Yeah, well, and there are a lot of people that have a stake in this. There are a lot of people that want their way, you know, whether it's taxpayers, whether it's the Chicago Bears, whether it's the politicians, whether whatever it is. And so there's going to be a lot of uh, tug of war that goes on in these processes. You have to understand that Kevin Warren has been through this before with what they did in Minneapolis with U.S. Bank Stadium. And so he knows some of the playbook. He knows some of the things that he was able to do. It's obviously a totally different political landscape here. There's a, a, a different set of dynamics that you have to operate with. But if you are rooting for what's best for the Chicago Bears, you should have trust that the, the, the president and CEO they hired in January has been through this process before. And his experience should be an asset to all the things that you just mentioned. There's a lot of business dealings to this. And, and, and so business is, it, it needs to be done. And sometimes business needs to be done in roundabout ways to get from point A to point Z. Yeah. And I think that the one thing that the last point on this, before we move on to some things that have been going on on the field is that along the way, whether it's Mark Gannis, uh, who was on the score earlier this week on the Mullen Haw show or everybody, anybody you talk to that's familiar with the way these work and, and the trends in public, uh, or in, I guess, professional sports stadiums, unlike what it used to be, there was a, almost like an acceptance level that there was going to be some part of a public subsidy in place. I don't see that being a part of this. I don't see that in today's day and age, certainly it can be. And that rules out Chicago, which is why mm -hmm. I think that there's such an understanding why this can't happen in Chicago. The new mayor takes over. There's so many other priorities in the city. Anybody who works there or lives there understands what that means and how immense that challenge is for a new mayor at this time to make a stadium project the priority that it would become in the public's eye. So public subsidizing a, a stadium for a billionaire is not something that happens as often as it used to, particularly not in a city where uh, taxpayers are still on the hook for $640 million of a renovation of Soldier Field back in 2003. 20 years later, there's still so much debt to pay off. So that's not going to happen. And in that context, everything else must be considered. Yeah, there's no question about that. And, and to that point, you know, you have um, a lot of people trying to figure out ways to go. And I don't think you and I have any clarity on how this will be funded. No one has really given any sort of uh, direct or even uh, hinted answers at how the Bears will will ultimately get the the money to build what will be a, a project that will, will surpass a billion dollars, may even approach two with all the things that they want to do. And so um, that question is for a later date, but we'll certainly keep digging and, and, and keep trying to sort through it all. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. 
So I thought that with the Bears media assembled this week at House Hall, Kevin Warren might address that that did not happen. But the assembled media was treated instead to open uh, access to an OTA. Jalen Johnson returned. Nate Davis was there. Those are the good things. Also, Eddie Jackson being back roaming yeah. center field for even if it's an OTA, nice to see him back in action. Darnell Mooney still nursing that injury, recovering well, expected a training camp, Dan. But I think the big story, would you agree, Jalen Johnson's return and talking about why he stayed away, the voluntary portion of the OTAs, but he volunteered to be here this week. Yeah, he expanded on some of the things that he uh, hinted at a week ago on uh, ESPN radio. And and what we got was what we usually get from Jalen Johnson. It was candid answers. It was a, a comfortable conversation. You know, Jalen is always up to, to talk. You know, it's not it's not a, a stiff back and forth between media and player. It's it's usually a conversation. And so he explained his philosophy, as you and I have talked about previously. You can agree with it. You can disagree with it. You can respect it because you understand where he's coming from. And then I think probably the biggest thing for Bears fans is trying to figure out how much uh, is genuine from Jalen in his dismissal of contract desires being part of his a decision to stay away. He's been pretty adamant that that the the two primary reasons he wanted to to stay away from the offseason program in the first two weeks of OTAs were number one, number one A, number one B, his daughter, spending more time with his three-year-old daughter who he doesn't get to spend a lot of time with uh, in during the season. And number two, to, to handle some off-the-field charity work that he does and some things in his community that are important to him, all fine and good. So then we circle back to the, the conversation. Okay, you're entering a contract year for the first time in your football life. Is this something that annoys you? Is this something that drives you? Is this something that motivates you? And his indications again on Wednesday were, no, this is not something that is um, fueling me to make decisions. You can take that at face value. You can dismiss it if you want. But those are Jalen's words and Jalen's sentiments. And, and, and I tend to believe that um, – this isn't going to escalate. This isn't going to become a Roquan Smith level drama. Maybe I'm not even thinking that. Uh, I think Jalen is is willing to have conversations. I think he's willing to, um, you know, progress through training camp without having to stage a hold in. And he hopes those conversations escalate to a point where maybe he can get extension done before the season starts. But if they don't get done, I don't sense that it's going to become some fallout that leads with uh, that ends with Jalen Johnson on another team by uh, by Thanksgiving. I hope you're right. I really do. I, I hope that he meant what he said about this had nothing to do with the contract impasse and he wants to be a bear because he, he's a very good cornerback. I, I don't know how good. Uh, I don't know how high I would rank him overall throughout the league as far as number one cornerbacks, but he's worth keeping, especially um, for a guy that would you've drafted, developed, and you know, even though it was a previous regime. Dan, I probably would have. I'm, I'm just being honest here. I, I don't want to I'm not trying to be difficult, but I think that I probably would have accepted what he said more at face value had he been the guy that was maybe a little bit unhappy with his contract and wanted to stay away rather than talk about everyone can respect the fact that he wants to be a good dad and that he wants to be charitable in his community, but he also has 80 other teammates that might have similar obligations and they're there. So I find that almost harder to except from a fairness standpoint, because if he wants to set himself apart in terms of, I deserve this in my contract, I'm not getting paid and I want to get a, an extension. Hey, you've backed that up and you earned that right. And I think that it's understandable. If you want to say that your parental obligations are more important than your teammates who might have similar situations or whatever, 
I, I have that a little bit. I'm like, you know, okay. But I think everybody wants to be a good dad and everybody would love to not go to work if they could <laughs> choose to, to be a better father. Here, here. I hear that one for sure. Like, I, I would love that if that was an option in my world. Um, look, I, like I, I, I'm interested to see where this goes. Jalen also revealed to us yesterday and, and just a little peek behind the curtain here. When you start to try to uh, unravel the layers of a, a situation like this, you try to, to reach out to the agent for some clarity. Well, a couple weeks ago, we, we were looking to figure out who Jalen was represented by these days, and, and he was not represented in the NFLPA database. And so he was asked directly by Jason Leeser of the Sun-Times on Wednesday, are, are you currently representing yourself? And he said, I'm changing right now between agencies. I'm transitioning from one agent to another. And so we don't know who agent B is <laughs> right now. Mm -hmm. And so that person, whoever it may be, and whoever wins that uh, right to, to negotiate Jalen's contract will become a, a, a primary source to push his case. And Ryan Poles can push back with some of the things that you just said. If you truly want to be a foundation piece for this organization, if you truly want to be considered one of our core leaders, you need to show yourself as that at every single opportunity to show yourself as that. That includes the offseason program. That includes OTA week one, OTA week two, OTA week three, minicamp, training camp, regular season, everything in between. And so that's part of the, the, the conversation the Bears can have. The bigger question, obviously, is, is where do they value him? And you've heard the words value come out of Ryan Poles' mouth a lot when he talks about players. He talks about, you know, being flexible to a point with how he values a player. I don't know what tier they think Jalen Johnson is on as an NFL cornerback. I know that they really respect his, what do you his, think? his football 10? acumen. I don't know if I'd go top 10. And part of it is, you know, look, like I, get it. I get it. The ball, yeah, probably. I, um, I would think top half. I, I don't know if I'd go. I, I, I started to look and I'm like, can I find 10 cornerbacks that I would rather have than Jalen Johnson? And it, it, just for the sake of the exercise, I don't think that would be that hard to do. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, once you get past 15, maybe it's a little harder to do. So somewhere between 10 and 15, top half of the league, I think that's fair. The ball production hasn't been there. And, and right. some, will, some will say, well, he wasn't targeted a lot and he needs more targets to get that there. And and and, and look, like I love the way Jalen approaches the game. I love the self-confidence he has. At that position, you need it. You know, you need to to to, to make mistakes and be like, I, screw it. It doesn't matter. I still believe I'm, I'm one of the greats. And so I, I'm cool with the way he's wired. Like so many players on this roster and this depth chart right now, 2023 is a pivotal season. It's a telling season. It tells you who you are as a player and where you are in your emergence. And if I'm Ryan Poles, I want to see more. You know, I've only been here for, for a year and and injuries cut short Jalen Johnson's season last year. And and so now it's a, an opportunity to get more of a proving ground to say, we would love to reward you handsomely, but we'd also like to see a little bit more as well in your second year in a defense and your, and your chance to put your fingerprints on things. I don't think it's anything to worry about yet, but in your reporting and your research, if you do come across the name of St. Omni <laughs> representing Jalen Johnson, then we might have a problem or we may have a situation that gets a little trickier. Well, St. Omni got a pretty good deal done for Roquan Smith when all was said and done. Where, where is he now? <laughs> He's in Baltimore. That's what I'm talking about. If the sure. agent is St. Omni, we don't want Jalen Johnson striking it rich with a team in the, in the AFC North. I think ideally you'd like to see him get paid by the Bears because that is drafting, developing, right. retaining. That's how you win championships. That's how you build rosters. A hundred percent. And when you're constantly – 
pushing that revolving door and making it spin and spin and spin. That's why you get stuck in long periods of fixing things and repairing things and changing things instead of doing exactly what you said, draft, develop, retain, you know, and invest in those guys you have and make them the foundation pieces that you can build up with instead of, okay, let's remove this and replace it with something else and then try to figure out if it all works still. Speaking of the secondary, Eddie Jackson, after his Liz Frank injury gets back onto the field, how is his rehab going? How did he look and what did people say about his presence? Yeah, and look, he was not out there for the team portion of things. They're going to obviously be very cautious with the way they they ease him back into things and ramp him up. Um, but Eddie's progressed pretty well. I mean, he obviously dodged a bullet. When you have a Liz Frank injury and you avoid surgery like he did, that's a huge victory. And it's allowed his uh, rehab and recovery to progress faster uh, than it otherwise would have. And so just, I mean, look, this, honestly, caught my eye immediately walking out on the practice field and seeing four run around during, during pre-practice, you know, and you're like, okay, you know, he's back now, you know, and obviously it's going to take a little while before he's back back, but he was back this week. And, and so you, you, you feel that presence. You heard a lot first from Matt Eberflus on Wednesday afternoon, then from Jaguan Brisker about what that presence means to the defense, about what it means to the leadership group at Hallis Hall, what it means to what the Bears are trying to build. And that, that, that's a player that has had some ups and downs during his career here, David, as you know, but is so well-respected inside that building for the way he's handled it all and for how he's matured and grown and, again, developed as a, as a football player and a, and a mature adult now who can, can be a guy that you can lean on. I also like what I heard from Jaquan Brisker. Not satisfied with his rookie season. <laughs> didn't really you know, like necessarily resting on his laurels, that idea. And I think he's ready, if he can stay healthy, to take a big step in season two. This, this secondary is exciting because you look at Tyreek Stevenson, he looks the part, and you've got four of the pieces that you feel like are very good if they can stay healthy. And the secondary has a real chance of being what we have called it all offseason, the strength of this football team. As long as they don't have to cover for seven and eight seconds because no one's getting to the quarterback. Right? Fair like, enough. <laughs> that's still the question. But you, you you do like the trajectory of a lot of these guys, and now they've got to, to, to break through and show you that they are who you thought they were. But having Eddie's back, and the, the other one obviously injured the same day, Darnell Mooney, Matt Eberfuss was pretty emphatic that Mooney would be ready for training camp. That was the, the most emphatic we've heard anyone in that building say that, yeah, he's progressing, he's on the right track. When training camp rolls around, he'll be ready to roll. So that's good news as well because Justin Fields is obviously going to need all the weapons uh, that he can get. Chase Claypool again out of OTA practices on Wednesday, still dealing with whatever soft tissue issue that came up uh, earlier this month or late last month. And and so you you just you need to keep that group healthy. You really do uh, for, for the No Excuses Tour to not have any interruptions. Last thing, Justin Fields going out to Fresno to be part of Jalen Johnson's golf tournament, I think was a terrific gesture by a guy who's embraced this role of not only leader, but almost ambassador for the Bears organization. Not that that had anything to do with him, Jalen Johnson, returning to the OTA, but can you uh, talk about whatever significance you think that carried and whatever, uh, just however much you think that meant? Look, I mean, I just, you know, they're, they're friends. And I think that Justin is um... – aware of what's expected of him as the franchise quarterback. He's willing to embrace a lot of that. And some of that means just kind of extending yourself in different directions and showing your teammates that you uh, care about them and that they mean something to you so that then you guys can unify during a regular season and push through the ups and downs. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a great gesture and it's another box where you say character wise, Justin Fields, scoring A's, you know, A's, A's, pluses, A minuses, whatever you want to say. It's all, it's all there in the report card. Now we get to the, the other parts of things when 
uh, training camp in the regular season begin, and, and, and we'll see how he checks each of those boxes. Mandatory minicamp next week, three days at Hallis Hall. The final OTA was called off so the Bears could have a nice outing at the United Center, playing a little basketball, checking out the hockey facility, a very good bonding exercise for the Bears, and they will be back on the field next week. We will be here to discuss it all as it happens, getting back on the board, getting back on the podcast, talking about the Arlington Heights move and also the OTAs. For Adam Szynski, our producer, Dan Wiederer, and I am David Haw. We will talk to you next time on Take the North. You can get us on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Talk to you next time. Great talk. See you out there.